I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There is no better group of plants for flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. As important as it is to garden and grow food around the world, gardening projects are vital in Africa. Today, I'll be joined by Sue Reed, a retired school teacher who goes to the Gambia and provides the basic materials for schooling and helps teach children how they can raise their standard of living. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast. It's all good news pretty well from the gardening world. The demand for plants just seems to go up and up this year. Garden centres are having a really good time and reporting record-breaking sales. The only worry at present is a lack of rain, but we can't do much about that. I mean, Alton Garden Centre down in uh, Essex say that their plant sales are up 11% year on year. Uh, And even the supermarket Waitrose report a 21% increase in outdoor plant sales in the week to the 25th of May. Uh, And Hilliers, they talk about a 7% increase over the uh, late May bank holiday. So a lot of you are obviously busy uh, planting uh, and uh, improving the gardens. I had uh, a full weekend in the garden last weekend. Boy, it does look uh, better after a, a bit of time. They take uh, every minute you've got at this time of year. And really, with uh, Gardeners World Live coming up in Birmingham, uh, I don't really have enough time. While I was out in the garden, it was interesting to see uh, the flights of holly blue butterflies. We have them every year in the garden and it's worth having just a few ivy and holly bushes to attract those alone. I was also interested to see sparrows pecking away at climbing roses and when I checked they were picking off the green fly. Very useful that is. One could almost live with sparrows eating lettuce seedlings and beetroot seedlings if they're going to hoover up the green fly. You know, people usually say that you should encourage blue tits. But I can tell you, last weekend the sparrows were doing a pretty good job on my roses. Yeah, there was a a lot of them. Uh, And perhaps a bit too much green fly. But uh, it's all pretty well gone now. It's timely too to tell you that if you're worried about maggots in apples and plums, then this is the time of year when we put up pheromone traps. They're just a little sort of plastic tents and in them is a tiny capsule that has a pheromone that attracts the male moths of a number of uh, fruit and vegetable pests. I mean, there's the plum moth, uh, uh, there's the uh, codlin moth, the leek moth, 
There's even one for a pea moth uh, and raspberry beetle. And you hang this little trap up in amongst the branches. Uh, There's a sticky base to it. And when the males fly towards the pheromone, the smell of the female, I'm afraid they come to a sticky end. It's a good way to reduce the numbers uh, quite considerably. It won't eliminate all the maggots, I'm afraid, but it does tell you when uh, they're on the wing. And so if uh, you also want to spray, it tells you the right time to spray. I was uh, stopped out shopping recently with um, a young lady who wanted to grow some lavender in the garden and said, uh, would now be a good time to plant and she was going to grow it in a pot. She didn't have too much gardening skill, and so my advice was that uh, it would be better for her to plant in the soil. You know, plants get their roots out into the soil and grow the way Mother Nature intended. If you uh, have to grow them in pots, if you don't have any soil, then do remember that uh, they're going to need watering. And the best test, if you've got any kind of plant growing in a container, is just to lift it up. If the compost is nicely moist or even wet, then the whole thing will be quite heavy. And as it dries out, it will get noticeably lighter in weight and tell you that you need to get some water pretty soon. And through the summer, with all sizes of containers, if it's at all possible, stand them in a saucer. Because then if the compost gets dry and shrinks a bit away from the sides of the container, when you water, the water just runs off the top and down the sides and out the bottom. Uh, And the saucer, of course, traps it and acts like a reservoir. And then by capillarity, the moisture goes back up to the compost. So uh, if you want to keep your plants alive in containers, just make sure that they're kept nice and damp. The bigger plants, if uh, the compost has got a bit dry and light, will blow over. You know, if I see plants blowing over in the summertime, then it's a pretty good indication that that compost needs a really good watering to get it wet and heavy again. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My guest for the podcast this week is uh, Sue Reed, a retired school teacher 
who's not really uh, retired. I mean, she seems to be more active than ever, uh, playing the piano and encouraging primary schools to sing and get involved in music. And then uh, every Thursday we meet up at the local school um, and I watch with interest as she encourages youngsters to sow seeds. But then I hear that she goes abroad to the Gambia. Sue, welcome to the programme, first of all. Could I ask how long you've been retired? Ooh, I've been retired about five years. Before that, I um, started to make a link with my school with the Gambia, purely for the children to learn about another culture. But I picked the Gambia because um, there's no written language there. It's, there's nine spoken languages, but the children at school learn to speak English. Oh, right. So it seemed an ideal place to twin my school with at the time. So that's how I started to go to Gambia. But, I mean, how did the introduction start? I mean, if I'm a head teacher and I'm thinking, oh, well, perhaps our school should have links with uh, a country where people uh, have less material things, where do you start? That, that's a really difficult one. Um, I literally just went on a holiday there. Um, and while I was there, and I'd never been out of Europe before, while I was there, I thought, this is a place I can twin my school with. This is so different. And um, while I was on holiday with my husband, I got the rep to take me out of the capital, out of the hotel, into a school. And the minute I saw a school, which was just mud floors, you know, no furniture, just some children sitting on the floor, I thought, oh, my goodness, I've got to do something to help these children. And that was the start of it. I then made inquiries and um, I met a head teacher out there who was just starting up his own little school. And we linked together. And actually, the very first thing we did was I came back to England and started raising money to help build him a school. That's how it all started. This is now 10 years ago. Now, he actually works there purely for us. And I met another teacher while I was out there um, in a very similar position to me who got hooked when she saw all these schools with no equipment, you know, nothing um, and um, we got very friendly. We met out there, and she set up a charity. And since then, I've gone out to the Gambia with her every year, sometimes twice a year, to do just one or two weeks. I mean, when I work. when I go to the to the, to the local school, uh, there's usually a cardboard box just inside the main <laughs> entrance, which says uh, "shoes wanted." No. Absolutely, yes, because. What happened was we realised um, for the children to go to school, they have to have a uniform and they have to have a pair of shoes. And for lots of them, they haven't got any money. They're, they're just subsistence farmers. And um, I was talking about the shoes and trainers and, and one of the head teachers said, well, you know, is there any way you could send us some of the shoes your children don't want? And um, it started from there. I now, we have a box in the school entrance hall and all the trainers and shoes and crocs and, and wellingtons now. They'd never seen wellingtons before in the Gambia. And when I took out a pair and explained what they were for, they said, please, can we have some more? 
because obviously they have a rainy season and the children walk sometimes five kilometres to school on a sandy track, but in the rainy season it becomes a, almost a river. So uh, we collect Wellingtons too. And uh, we ship them out through a company about four times a year. You say we, we ship send... them out. I mean, yes. how? I mean, <laughs> you can't put them in a cardboard box and take them to the post office, can you? No, it's a little bit more complex, but I do put them all in a cardboard box. And there's, um, we found a, a company called Money Pipe, which actually sends a container regularly to the Gambia. And we pay, it's about £10 for a box. It doesn't matter how heavy it is or how big it is. And that takes six weeks. And then the headmaster that I first linked with 10 years ago, he actually stands in the port when that container's in and he unloads the boxes and signs for them. And then he then gets a taxi or a minibus and he takes those boxes of trainers and books and whatever we've collected and he actually delivers them to about five or six of the local schools in rural Gambia that we've supported Amazing. I know. It's a wonderful story of recycling, <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, and, it, and it's, it's grown from, it, it was just trainers, now it's like school shoes, Wellingtons, children's clothes, books, pencils. Did you mention watering cans on one occasion? No, watering cans is, is something different. That's because you go around the schools and, and they're very proud to show you that they are, they've got a garden. And um, over the years we've helped them with their gardening and of course it's incredibly hot and they're watering all the time and um, we watched the women and the children watering in the in the school gardens with large plastic containers and of course they fill these up from the well which is usually drawn up by a rope with a plastic container and they pour the water in another plastic container and then they might have to walk some way to where they've got things that need watering, the plants. And then they just tip this plastic container just on the soil. And, of course, it just it sinks everywhere. in immediately and dra- you know, drowns everything. The soil all disappears. And, and you stand there watching this and you think there's, there's got to be a better way. Um, they can't get hold of watering cans. So, of course, one of the first things we did when we got back into England was start thinking about, let's get watering cans out there. (laughs) Um, You know, and I've even seen children just with a little plastic beaker just going along the little plants and pouring, you know, from the plastic container, pouring water on. And, you know, it's it's heartbreaking, really, because it's so hot. Yeah. when you think what we have in our gardens, hey, the facilities, the irrigation, the drip lines, the sprinklers and hoses and all of that. I know. Well, recently we have been able to raise enough funds to buy some hose pipes because that has helped an incredible amount so that they've got some hose pipes now to get to the ends of some of these gardens. And we have been sending out, you know, as many watering cans as we can buy and um, there's actually, I think there's about 20 that went out in the last shipment. And so that was, we've got five schools, so each school got four watering cans. Yeah. But um, obviously we want to get more out there. But so when you go out, as, as you appear to do several times a year, what sort of accommodation do you have? I mean, there's, there's no high-rise hotels, is there? <laughs> 
There is in the in Banjul, the capital, but of course I travel 200 miles up into rural Gambia, and um, I stay sometimes in a quite a large town. And there's one. It's not called a hotel. It's called a lodge. And over the years, it has got better and better. But you don't always get electricity that works there. Um, I'm uh, not going to say anymore. <laughs> and what about food? Um, <laughs> it's mainly rice, rice-based. Um, it wants to be pretty well boiled, I think. It <laughs> certainly is. And it's, it's rice every meal, really. Um, but we're, we're very well looked after. The people are so friendly that, um, you know, they are always giving you food. It's mainly um, ground nuts made into a, like a peanut sauce. Right. It's actually rather delicious. But I was out there for three weeks once and I really did um, need something else other than peanuts and rice. It reminds me a story of, uh, of my son when a new recipe was tried. And, and Roger said, uh, it was very nice, but we don't want it too often. I might go off it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I might go off the ground nuts and the rice after a bit. Oh, well, I mean, that's why it's so nice to see the schools and the villages that we help um, growing vegetables. I mean, they really are in quite short supply for, for the local people there. So if you have an onion in with that, you're very lucky. And I, I was once standing in one of the school kitchen gardens with one of the teachers who was very proud of all the, um, there were tomatoes at the time and lettuces and cabbages. And before I could stop him, he'd picked the biggest cabbage there and he said, this is for you. And um, they cooked it all up and shredded it all amongst the peanut sauce for me that, that evening, which Goodness. was... Um, very, very lovely of them, but I felt awful because I really wanted it to go to all the children in the school. Yeah. But, um, it's their way of saying thank you, you know, for coming out and helping us. Sue, I admire your nerve. I, I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I, I did once. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Well, they, they once they said, we've made you all some food. You might wait two to three hours for the food because it's cooked on an open fire. Um, and you see the women arriving in the school, and they are making the school dinner. That that sometimes is the only food those children have. So you you wait for quite a long time, and then they call you and say, we want you to eat with us. And um, again, I saw the, the normal sort of peanut sauce with a few things in, yeah. and I saw something orange, and I thought, wow, it looks like there's a pepper. And I've seen peppers growing there, so I thought, I'll I'll have that. And I put it into my mouth whole. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Was it a bit warm? It was very, very warm. It was so warm that my mouth went numb. And I couldn't speak for about 15 minutes afterwards. I had to just stand in the background and nod. Oh, goodness. And, uh, and then one of them said, you've just eaten one of our chilli peppers, haven't you? I said, yes, I have. <laughs> he said, we don't normally eat them. It's too hot for us. They just put them in to, you know, add some spice and heat. Yeah, with with all that sunshine, boy, they'd be hot. Oh gosh! So, I, if people listening wanted to help, um, could they send money? And where could they send money? Um, yes, well, our our charity is called Empower. How is that spelled? That's spelled capital E. Yeah. M. Yeah. And then Power P O W E R. Right. 
and we train and resource the rural communities in the Gambia. And um, we have got a Facebook page, so if you type in Empower the Gambia, you will see a, a Facebook page of all the things that we do over the, you know, the months that we're working. There's a Twitter and an Instagram and a charity number, and it's literally was set up by the other teacher, Joe Heaven, which I always think is quite an apt name for somebody who's she gave up teaching, and she has dedicated her life to to raising funds for the villages in Gambia. So it's an amazing story. Thank you very much for spending time with us today, uh, and I hope some of our listeners will be moved as I am. And we'll be encouraged, you know, to help you with this work. Well, it'd be, it would be wonderful. And I'm, I'm very happy to carry on doing this because I, I can just see that um, because I'm going and we go out there, we know that everything that we collect actually goes to the children and the, in the schools in those villages. And that, that's something that it's very difficult, isn't it, when you give money to charity. But I know because I send it there and I go there. Yes. And I see. And so it doesn't you know, go to some overpaid uh, no, supervisor. We yeah. haven't got anything like that. It's just yeah. a, you know a couple of people, and whatever we can do, we we shall carry on. I think. Sue, thank you very much indeed. Wish you every success. Look forward to seeing you at the school. Yes, and you, Peter. BBC Gardens World Live opens at the NEC Birmingham from today, the 13th to the 16th of June. It'll be a great relief uh, to me to see uh, what is going to be, I think, the biggest ever floral display that we've built with over 80 new plant varieties being introduced. It will be uh, quite spectacular, I hope, uh, and it will be a relief when it's all done and in place. Once the show ends on the uh, Sunday evening, the 16th, then we have two big lorries to gather up all those new varieties of plants to ship to the Royal Horticultural Society's gardens at Hyde Hall, where they're going to be planted up in their floral fantasia area. So if you can't get to Gardeners World Live in Birmingham, there'll be a chance to see them at Hyde Hall in Essex. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast, and thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 